Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Track Podcast. I'm Gordon Mack. And with us today, we have a special guest, probably the, the most specialist guest. We got Corey Mole from Mile Split. Corey, thanks for joining the Flow Track podcast. We've got a little bit of a cross pod going here. How's it feel to uh, f- being able to be on our podcast? And I guess I already got to ask, am I going to be able to be on your podcast? Depends on what you can offer to our podcast online. But I am super glad to be on this one, um, it is, you know, a basically. I, I've been waiting for this my entire life to, to be on a flow track podcast, so I'm really excited. <laughs> so we wanted to bring you in here because it's kind of a weird past few seasons for high school running, and we haven't really been paying attention to it, attention to it as much as you guys have, obviously, um, especially at the elite level. What is going on right now in high school running? and specifically these upperclassmen who are eyeing to run in college? Like, how's this whole process working out for them right now? The biggest difference for recruits that are going into the, the, the re- class of 2020 recruits that are, are ready to sign on November 11th, which is National Letter of Intent um, signing day, um, they have not really been afforded an official chance to get any visits on campus, you know, to, to be walked around campus with by coaches, see athletes like the dead period. That that's the period where you know athletes can get on campus and 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 make their sort of way around um, these these colleges. They they are hoping to to visit and explore. They haven't been able to do it. The dead period's been forwarded all the way into January now. So much of the recruiting for the class of 2021 has been strictly over Zoom, uh, over phone calls, over dms twitter dms anything you can think of uh, when it comes to multimedia it's been happening with with programs coaches and recruiters and and these kids um now that hasn't um you know meant that these kids have not figured out their their final choices um for the last several months actually we've gotten a steady stream of commitments um commitment after commitment 
and uh, signing day is, is next week on, on the 11th. That's Wednesday. That's the first day uh, by which track and field athletes can officially you know, put name to paper and, and solidify where they're going next year. Uh, it's been different, but, I mean, this is a different year. So I think recruits are still trying to form their conclusions about you know, their futures, and they can do that in, in um, kind of an altered way, but they're doing it the best they can. What about from like an evaluation standpoint? Um, typically, a lot of high school. I mean, maybe this is a, a wrong assumption, but I always believe that a lot of high schools juniors are. It's like when that's when you kind of have your breakout moment, your breakout race, your junior spring season, going then into your senior year. Having no outdoors last year, having kind of partial cross country this year. How do you think coaches are evaluating? talent um like how do they know who is worthy of a scholarship or not it's been much harder i think for programs to to know that Uh, there's there's you know basically what's happening is that you know elite level athletes that we commonly focus on for mile split um over the last you know spring summer and now fall period they have been able to to get out and run and compete because they've always been driven to do that. If they hadn't gotten that opportunity, I think something would have been lost from them. So we've seen a lot of like impromptu races. We've seen a lot of you know kids you know travel out of state you know safely you know with their parents to get into a race somewhere. That elite level kid or elite level you know girl or boy is still doing that and has done that. So I think colleges at the power five level can still see some of the the importance of of these athletes you know talent and and they can see if they're worthy of getting you know competing at their school but i think actually the the kid that's most affected is maybe the middle tier kid whose performances on a normal year would have been maybe on that cusp of, of being you know really really good but not right there yet because those kids probably weren't competing. Those kids don't travel out of state. They don't find the races. I mean, they've been basically stricken to sort of their in-state competition. I think they lost a lot of races, and therefore college coaches couldn't get the opportunity to see what they're capable of. The seniors now that are signing, their last official performance um, was sophomore outdoor season, and then if they ran indoor, that junior indoor season. Everything else has been lost as a result of that. So, I mean, it's hard for coaches to, to evaluate on a sophomore performance from outdoor, uh, especially if, if you want to add, you know, an athlete that can contribute to your, your track and field team uh, on the outdoor level. I mean, that's really, really hard. But I, and I think at the very top level, I, I think the kids have still found ways to compete. Yeah, it does seem kind of crazy that there's a chance that, like, you're signing the a, a, a like projected 19 year old freshman based on what they did when they were 16. It's just like kind of mind boggling that like, because of just the way that the sport works, that when you lose your outdoor season and then, you know, we don't know what outdoors are going to be like in 2021. It's just, I feel like there's a lot of risk that coaches are taking. And I feel like they're more, it's a big gamble now. Like, do you know if coaches are kind of being more conservative with their recruiting efforts being like, Hey, maybe we won't 
invest as much in this class of 2021 because one, we have to pay the scholarships for repeat classes due to COVID. Uh, so maybe we just kind of take a mulligan on the 2021 class and focus on the 2022 class, which might have a few more data points to analyze. Has there been thought of less scholarships being given out to this year's class? No, I don't know that directly. Do you have any? I haven't heard that directly yeah. from, you know, say a division one coach, because I don't think they can speak directly to their financial strategy. Um, you know, I have been on the, the, the phone with, you know, the University of Washington's um, Marika and Andy Powell. I, I've talked to Kentucky's head coach. Um, I, I've talked to, you know, a few just sort of people that have kids who are being recruited. Um, and I haven't heard directly from colleges that, you know, things will change. But I, I on the other end, I don't just because we're not saying it doesn't mean it's not happening. Um, you know, one parent in particular who had a very successful career um, beyond college, you know, told me that he truly believes that there will be less scholarships to go around in 2021 because coaches are being very, very conservative with what they're offering kids. Like the full scholarships that used to be offered in past years um, from all programs, I don't think you're seeing the extent of that uh, from the smaller scale schools that don't value track and field as much as other ones. Um, you just look at the numbers basically on, on the amount of athletes at at universities right now that may be continuing their eligibility because you know that last season or the NCAA didn't happen and they have extra eligibility you still have to hold their scholarships um, under that program so you can't give one away then to a, to an incoming freshman so I, I do think it is a bit of a, a mathematical equation for you know some of these programs to figure out just what do I offer and how can I offer it I do think the numbers are changing a little bit and and that's impacted by really the bottom line too with their their budgets you know less money is going around because of the lost revenue from covid so I, I think there's there's a lot to to kind of uh, that's not being talked about but is happening when we look at the specific talent for this class in 2021 we know like past you look at past high school classes, I think a notable one's like Cooper Tears year where everyone was running like sub 405. I think that was also like the Sam Worley and Reed Brown when everyone was running fast, right? Uh, you have other, like this past year's class had a bunch of guys who were running really fast in the sub four, the, in the four minute mile range. With this class not really having their senior year or late junior year prime of being able to show how fast they truly are, we're talking distance wise. How would you evaluate the quality of the top tier of runners this class compared to previous classes? Is it above average, below average, average? What would you say? I think on the women's end, it is above average. You look at the top recruits on, on the women's side, and these, these girls you know, still have remarkable results to the resume. You know, Bryn Brown of Denton Geyer is a perfect example. She lost her outdoor season and, you know, her, her cross-country season started late. But you look at what she's done, it, it, it would have gone down in the history books if, if it was to take place. You know, she ran a 9.39 time trial in the 3,200 meters over the spring season, which would have been a new national record. And 
you know, it, it couldn't count because she was running with, with male pacers, right? She ran 958 in the 3200 officially in February. Um, you know, in cross country, she's broken 17 minutes uh, a handful of times. She's run, you know, 1613 and 1619 for 5K. She has been absolutely unreal. And, it, and it's not just her. You know, Sydney Thrivolson is arguably one, could have, could be the top distance recruit. It's an and it's an argument between her and, and Bryn. Sydney and her have the same kind of talent level. Brooke Robber has been very very good. Um, Sydney Massarelli has been you know, good getting outdoors. You know, running on the track. I mean, I think on the women's side, there's a lot a lot of talent, and it's actually above average. And it's not just distance too. Um, you know, the sprint talent there is is still very good good too. But on the men's side, I think that's where you see it the most because you know boys progress or develop a little bit slower than girls as far as like hitting their, their peak in high school, you see that over the junior year. And for a guy like Nathan Green, for example, of Bora High School in Idaho, he's still our number one recruit in the class of 2021, but he did not get a chance to really lower that mile time from his sophomore season. He ran 406 as a sophomore, and he never got a chance to improve on that his junior season. So he lost a little bit of that. Um, you know, Judson Greer hasn't had a, a lot of, you know, um, chances to run very, very fast, even though he's been training really, really well. I mean, you have, you know, sprinters like John Lester, uh, who broke 149-800. Um, he's been he, – he has improved immensely, you know, in this COVID season. Um, but I think he's an anomaly in some senses because very few guys have gotten that that same opportunity um and i I think it hurts um you know our number two recruit connor washington of of woodlands college park um he never really got a chance to run in 2020 and and he you know had run 10-4 in the 100 and 21-1 in the 200 so you know i I think they're the men it hurts a little bit more than the women and i would say the men's class is pretty good but it's not elite yeah it's it's interesting because it feels like kind of wild card because say that Nathan Green, uh, he's the one who ran 406 and as a sophomore, right? Yeah. So now you, and on on the good end, that 406 progresses to a 403 junior year, and then he's flirting with four flat senior year, and then he goes into college as like one of the top tier guys. But then there's also the storyline where like, hey, I just you know I never was able to like I kind of plateaued out, right? Because Every athlete has a plateau at one point. They don't just continue to get better forever. And it's you you think that a your plateau doesn't happen till like college years, but for some people they might, you know, the the, the good old phrase peak in high school. Um I guess the challenge that coaches have, correct me if I'm wrong, is trying to understand is this someone who's going to show progression from their sophomore year stats? Or is this someone who may have already ran out of gas by end of sophomore year? Is there? Do you think there's any like tea leaves of analysis that coaches use beyond this, their times to be like, hey, I think his times show progression versus times that show stagnation? I think that comes down to the training. And, and when, when programs are recruiting, they, they have to look beyond the, the, the face value of performances. Like, you have to dig. You have to talk to their coaches to see, 
what kind of person is this athlete or are they driven to succeed? I mean, what kind of mileage or, or workouts are they putting on, on a routine basis? Like if you know what kind of attitude a kid has and, you know, he might have a above average time, but you know that person is working extremely hard um, and you and you believe that that payoff will come, I think that's where college coaches have to use that maybe instinct to to maybe take a chance or take make a bet on, on a, a kid it comes after all of that you know uh communication and, and all, all that dialogue between you know athlete parent coach you got to figure out who these kids are you know i don't, I don't know are, are college coaches just signing kids based on like one performance it might happen um but i think the success stories are the ones where you really find out, you know, what these kids are made of. Um, if, if a kid is not putting in the work, but he has great, great times, like, is that a matter of, you know, he has talent that hasn't been tapped, so maybe he does improve in college if you just get him to do the work or, or her to do the work? Um, or is it the other way around? I, I just, I think a lot of it just has to come down to the coaches putting in the work themselves and figuring out, you know, what is the risk assessment, you know, of this athlete? Yeah, it is interesting to think about, like, how do you, like, you know, the whole, like, overtrained, undertrained, like, ooh, this, you know, this athlete just played soccer all fall, you know, showing that they clearly have more to give if they get all focused on just one sport and running. I think that's always, like, an interesting factor for athletes, for coaches just to understand, like, are they are they out of gas or are they like running on full? You know? I mean, I mean, one I of the, one one of the yeah. benefits of that though too, you know, is there are there are cases around the country where kids are running way too much. They have way too many races, you know, under their their belt, you know, in in their sophomore junior seasons, and then by that senior year they might they might plateau a little bit because they've been racing so much or they're just burnt out. I, I think. That this season yeah. you've at least been on the other side where they're not racing and they're focused more on training, so maybe they can work more on development. So on that end, I think you might start to see some big payoffs in college as a result of that. I feel like we should add a a um, a stat line to every mile split profile where you have like you know race and then you have like weekly mileage, you know, and everyone so coaches are like, wow. Because then we'll be able to do a little algorithm, race performances plus race uh, training mileage equals this rating. You know, come up with like the the potential rating. <laughs> well, of course. No, no, I agree. Yeah, I remember when I was in high school and there was like this one school from like a different. Well, we're, we're both from Pennsylvania, so I forget what what school it was but they were a good distance school and then we always hear rumors that they were running like 90 to 100 mile weeks and we're all like oh my god like they're gonna be burnt out when they get to college and we're out here running like 40 mile weeks pensbury no i think it was it does pensbury does sound familiar no it's like con there's like a north and south i think they had black and white kit I don't remember. It was a while ago. I'm getting old. 
but I just remember they, they were very like, they were like a preppy type school and they were really good. Maybe Conestoga Valley, maybe? No, no, I don't know. Oh, no. S- Park, S- Park Central something. Uh, his podcast become a pen. Yes. One of those, I think. I mean, this is 2005, so I'm sure things have changed since then. Uh, so I want to ask you, is there any, which athletes do you think, like, should we start thinking about? Obviously, you mentioned like Bryn Brown, you know, Thorsten, and how do you say it? Thor, Thorsten? Thorsten? The Folsen. The Folsen. She's going to Arkansas, right? Or is she going to North Carolina again, like everyone else? Arkansas. That's it. I feel like Arkansas and the state of North Carolina have every single good female athlete, right? <laughs> They're just all going there. NC State and North Carolina just. What's up? UNC did a really good job this this recruiting period, uh, just getting some really really great athletes on that distance end. Yeah, I guess it's the milt factor, right? It's crazy how once you get that one like great coach, all of a sudden it takes one year, and then then they just start getting an avalanche of recruits. Um, I want to ask you this question though. Which athletes out there right now that aren't on people's radars do you think have strong potential to be an NCAA All-American by like their sophomore season in college? You know, someone out there who doesn't have legit like fast times right now to their name, but based on just what you're seeing, kind of reading between the lines, you think, hey, this one is a sleeper and this male or female looks to be potentially like either a top 40 in cross country or top eight in the outdoor or indoor season? I think that's really hard to, to make that prediction on someone we don't really focus a lot on because I, I do think, you know, the girls like Brent Brown or Sydney Thervalson or a hurdler like Michaela Rose will you know, go into a program and have success pretty early on because they've already proven it. And, you know, on the on the guy side, it's you know someone like Judson Greer of Texas who has been very very good already. Nathan Green, I think, will have success. But you know, making that prediction for someone um, that's a little farther down on on the ladder, I think, is a harder exercise. Um, and, and saying that too, everyone that we're talking about is is really really good, and they have been afforded an opportunity to run at the Power Five level, so they they have great times. So, um, one girl I think on the distance end that I think is prob- probably could have a really good shot of, of excelling right away is Sophie Atkinson. Uh, she's a senior at Katie Cinco Ranch in Texas. Um, she has had a breakout cross country season. Um, uh, no doubt about it. She's run, you know, sixteen fifty nine, uh, sixteen forty, and seventeen flat for five k, uh, three separate occasions, and she's run sixteen nineteen for three miles. Uh, and over the outside season, you know, she ran four forty eight before you know it, it it got closed off. So, you know, she improved immensely. Uh, I think a lot of it was you know getting you know stronger and healthier, but. This year, she has been very, very good, and I think she could step onto that uh, University of Virginia campus right away in in um, 2021 and and have success pretty early on, possibly even become an All American, you know, in, in cross country. So I really think she has a good opportunity there. On the 
you know, on the track. I I, I like girl like Taylor James. Uh, she's from Niwot, uh, Colorado. You know, she has a lot of versatility. She's gone 206 in the 800. I think that would, you know, pretty much it would be in the ballpark of, of, of getting, you know, qualifying into NCAAs at least. I mean, I think she could, you know, get through uh, potentially. Um, she's gone, you know, 205 and 206. She's gone 24-7 and 200, 54-2 and 400. So she's got a lot of talent. Um but the, uh, a really, really big sleeper in my eyes is a girl. Named- where's she going? Where's Where's the two hundred six girl going? Do we know yet? Stanford. Yeah. Uh, Stanford's got a good class actually in twenty twenty one. Besides her, they have uh, Tess Stapleton, who's a very good hurdler and jumper, and Tegan Zwanstra, who's also a sprinter. And a jumper, so they're branching out a little bit. They're getting like a more diverse set of talent outside of just you know distance runners. Um, a really big sleeper uh, on the women's side is a girl named Victoria Basong. She's from Portland, Cheveris, in Maine, um, and she's a sprinter. Um, Maine's had some, I think, uh, women in the past who who have you know made the jump into you know, NCAA Division One schools. Um, Who's that all-time talent at Penn State, the 800-meter runner? Uh, Givens? Danae? Oh, Danae, Danae Rivers. Danae Rivers. I think she's from Maine. I mean, Victoria kind of reminds me a little bit of, of her. Um, she's gone 11-9 in the 100, uh, 53-8 in the 400, you know, 218 in the 800. Uh, I think with the right program, she could become a really, really good asset and, and could potentially be a scorer at the NCAA level. She is uncommitted right now, uh, as we know, but I think she would be a good get for any program. Um, Interesting. On the on the men's side, I think one guy who's really stood out this year in cross, at least, is Kamari Miller of Marietta, Georgia. Uh, he has won every single one of his cross country races. He's gone fourteen fifty one and fourteen fifty five for five k. You know, his previous year in, in outdoor track as a sophomore, he ran 4.15 in the mile, 9.08 to 3,200. But I think that fitness is a little bit better this year. And he is going to Syracuse. Uh, Kamari, you know, looks up to guys like Justin Knight. That's one of the reasons why Syracuse appealed to him. Um, he's a big Mo Farah guy. I think he's a kind of guy who's competitive and can have a lot of success early on, you know, if he gets the right kind of training. Because I think he's the kind of guy who wants to get better. Um, and then, you know, here's another one too, uh, on the men's side, Corbin Martino of, uh, Canal Winchester in Ohio. Uh, he is a primarily a 400 meter runner who's gone uh, 48 seconds indoors and 47 one outdoors. Um, Penn state has had success in that mid distance category, uh, getting a, a lot out of guys. Um, and, and Corbin is the type that I feel like could, benefit from you know that work from you know head coach john conduct and and others i think he has an opportunity to um excel at penn state so those are some you know some 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 picks from on the women's and men's sides i think it's interesting yeah i mean all these names never heard of so (laughs) it just shows that like there's just so many athletes out there that you don't know like exist and that they're there's like talent i mean 50 states so many schools like you're gonna find these people who are 
not like the Brody Hasties and the Nico Youngs of this world that can show up and potentially become legit four-year athletes in college. So it's kind of interesting that it takes you and your team to, to find these people and help out the coaches to like, hey, check out this guy. So it's interesting. Uh, is is there any – is there – is there any Nico Young equivalent or no? Or like a, I mean, maybe you'd say is the Nico Young equivalent on the women's side going to be Bryn Brown? I mean, because you know how like people love to kind of really rally behind the top distance star, the way they rallied behind Grant Fisher. They rally behind, you know, uh, Drew Hunter. They rallied behind Caitlin Tui. And everyone just cared about what they were doing. What are they doing? You know, it, who's like, would you say who's this, who's the, the famous superstar that everyone wants to know everything about? I really don't think there is that athlete in 2021. I mean, I, Brandon is really, really good. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, she had a lot of adversity last year. You know, she finished 22nd at, at NXN. Um, she had a fall early in the race and she had to fight her way back. So she didn't necessarily have that great performance at nationals. You know, she, she, you know, got hurt over that, um, that, that cross country season too. So she didn't get to race a lot. So now I think we're seeing a lot of, of what Bryn Brown's made of, but it's coming all in, in, toward the end of her career. So people haven't really got a chance to sort of like, you know, buy, buy into her early on and then just wanting to know everything about her. Um, on the, on the, on the guy side, you know, I, I think it's hard too, because Nico was so, so good last year. It was, you know, it was unreal the way he performed anytime he got into a race. I don't think we have necessarily the guy right now at, at their age, uh, that is comparative to that. Uh, do I think we'll have guys that will have success in college? Yes. I think Judson Greer, he reminds me of, you know, a, a guy who can just blow up, I think, in college. You know, he is, you know, tri- so Tinman, the Tinman Elite, uh, you know, men's professional group, they have this junior program now. It's called Tinman Junior Elite. And there's like five guys across the United States that are, you know, getting workouts written to them by like Tom Schwartz. And Judson is one of those guys. And Judson, you know, has the potential to, to, to win a national title. I don't know, you know, if he's running in November or December past the Texas State Championships, but he has the potential to do that. And I think in outdoor track, some, some special things are going to happen from him. Uh, Parker Wolf uh, from Cherry Creek, Colorado, uh, is an, another guy I think has potential to do some great things. But, you know, Parker was basically running in the shadows of like Cole Sprout last year. And that's no disrespect to Parker. Parker's really good, but it's hard to like, you know, become, you know, the Colorado's like best athlete when you have somebody who's older than you um, running just as well and, and winning races. So it, it was hard for him. And then you have Tristan Merchant from Alaska. Um, you know, he's going to NAU next year. He's from Alaska. We don't see enough of him. We don't know. Uh, how good he is because we don't know how he races against competitors that often. So um, he's an unknown too. Uh, so I think I think it's very hard to to really you know 
to figure that out. There's no Matthew Bowling on, on the sprint side. There, there's no, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, Sidney McLaughlin. Sidney McLaughlin, yeah. I mean, there, there's just no one that sort of stands out in that, that aspect. I think there are good athletes. But um, because of the COVID season, uh, we, we just weren't afforded a lot of that, um, you know, earned recognition. You mentioned national championships this November, December, and also extrapolating on that national championships in 2021. We know there's no NXN, there's no Foot Locker. We know there are put it, there's pop up national championship meets all over cross country. We know that New Balance is no longer part of the NSAF, and we don't know the status of Brooks PR and like. What is the national championship landscape, cross country, indoors and outdoors for this school year? Like, it seems like every time I look, I'm like, there's a national championship being canceled or changed and one being added. Like, what what's the calendar like right now? Yeah, Gordon, that's a really interesting question. You know, there are almost too many races to, to think of right now when it comes to national championships. There's one coming up on the 15th in Indiana at Laverne Gibson. It is the, uh, I don't know, forgive me if I get this name wrong, but I think it's called the XC Town USA Meet of Champions. They're essentially trying to fill the void of NXN and Foot Locker by hosting you know, a team and individual championship. I don't think it necessarily is going to get there. There are a lot of great teams that are going to run there. The best boys team in the country, Newberry Park, is going to run there. Uh, I think there are going to be a lot of good girls teams, but it won't have everybody, so it won't have the completeness of, of what makes a national championship. And then there's another one in Alabama, the Running Lane National Championships on November 21st. That has a really, really good individual field but it won't have everyone so you know you kind of have that idea that that feeling of if you know if they just gotten everyone what would have looked like so i you know you're going to come away wondering a little bit about these races but it's it's great that they're there the opportunities are there um au might be another good one december uh 3rd i believe in in tallahassee they're running a national championship too but I just, I just don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of um, wonder about, you know, is anyone even going to be technically crowned a national champion in 2020? I don't think you will have that. On the indoor, I mean, on the indoor side too, it, I think that's going to be a fascinating watch because uh, New Balance is still going to hold their indoor track and field championships, and NSAF's branching off and they're holding, you know, a quote unquote national championship too but you know if I'm an athlete where do I go I, traditionally athletes go where the sponsors are where the big name sponsored meets are so you know NSAF has a lot of built-in traction because they they do a lot for athletes they you know they take them overseas and internationally to compete and you know they set up a lot of these championships but you know if you're an athlete, I think you're you're drawn to, you know, big name events. You know, Nike, New Balance, Adidas, Brooks. Like you want to be where that name recognition is. So, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see where kids ultimately end up going over that indoor season. If 
we even have indoor national championships, which is a major <laughs> if. Yeah, that's all. That's the big if on everything, right? If we have anything, uh, would that would those two indoor meets would they be on the same weekend? I don't think they would want to compete against each other on the same weekend. No, no. I don't think there is so a given. Try to do, try to like, do a, like a yeah, yeah. New Balance hasn't released its date yet, if I'm not mistaken. I don't believe so. So if we have two indoor championships, uh, New Balance and a NSAF outdoors, are we gonna have the same thing? Uh, a New Balance outdoors and a NSAF outdoors, and then is there still gonna be a Brooks PR? Like what? What do we? What's the outdoor thing? I I think outdoor wise, NSAF and New Balance, you know, ended their contract. Uh, a new contract was coming up. New Balance did not uh, resign, I, I guess, with NSAF. So ideally, you know, they're they're gonna have a new outdoor meet too. I don't know if New Balance is gonna put on an outdoor meet per se. Uh, so NSAF, I, I believe, is gonna probably reseek a sponsor and will hold in another outdoor meet. That's that's what they're made to do, I think. Um, so I, I do think there'll there'll be that opportunity, and it's going to be NSAF kind of seeking out. You know, Adidas, you know, the Boost Games one mile race. I don't know if Adidas is going to put that money into that race. Um, Brooks PR, I would think they would want to hold that that outing again, given you know by that time next year, I would think like April that everything is fine and you know everything's you know being like competitions are happening on a regular basis they canceled out of breaking every breaking cory mole everything will be fine in april this is this is big news i just found out everything's gonna be fine in april this is huge i'm just saying if if everything is fine (laughs) by april i don't i don't see a reason why brooks pr would cancel Man, I was—I thought you had great news for me. I thought you were telling me everything was gonna be fine in April. I already had calendar set, going on a bunch of trips. It's gonna be great. April, April vacation, be like an April sabbatical, just getting outside, right? We all need that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we do. We need that, right? We're, we should be doing this podcast in person, but we're not. We're doing it remotely. You know, we had for those who don't know, there's the reason why we don't have a video of it is because our internets weren't as good this time around. So the internet god said audio only, and so now people just hear our voices and don't get to see what you look like and what I look. See, like. I have a podcast face though, Gordon. I think I think audio is fine. You know, I'm built for the podcast. Okay, that's good to know. What uh, what else is happening over at Mile Split right now? Like, we are you, what, are you guys doing any cool video features? Is there anything interesting coming down the pipeline or recently posted that people should check out? Well, we're putting a lot of emphasis on National Signing Day on um, November 11th. I think a lot of our coverage over the, the next you know, 10 days is going to be focused toward that. But we have an absolutely amazing uh, video project that has been completed. It's the story about it's a story of Caitlin Little, a 17-year-old girl from Greensboro, North Carolina who three years ago you know, was involved in, a, um, in an accident at track practice. She was concussed uh, pretty hard and uh, essentially lost her memory as a result of that. Um, and over the, you know, that, that ensuing year, she went up and down in terms of 
you know, what was happening with her body and her mind. Uh, but at, at some point, you know, she, she went down to a, a very short term memory and, you know, it's still, it's still there. She hasn't really been able to, you know, be in high school to compete as an athlete. So we, you know, are telling her story really for a track and field audience and for our audience for the first time. And it's a really, really good story. It was well done. It's, it's a phenomenal work from, uh, my coworker Brian Dibel, who shot it, um, and editor Laura Andrews, who edited it um, behind the scenes, and, and everyone else that went in to make that that project happen. Uh, but it's 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 definitely um, going to be something I think our audience is going to love. And um, November nineteenth, I think, is the date where we're going to feature it. That's that's interesting. That's pretty cool. When did you guys film this? Was it over the summer or? Yeah, well, I mean, we had to take we had to take precautions when we we flew to North Carolina, but we went there in July, and we spent three days with the family, and we saw you know coaches, we saw friends, um, we saw where the accident took place, um, we talked to Caitlin specifically. I mean, it it we did as much as we could to tell that story. It's pretty cool. And it comes out November 19th, you said? Sweet. Well, we should be checking that out. Corey, I really appreciate you taking the time to join the pod. If you ever want me on your pod, feel free to invite. I'm always available. Uh, I'm not asking or anything, but, you know, if you want to invite me, I mean, I'm right here. I'm, I'm, in, I'm just sitting in this room in my, in my bedroom all day. Uh, but I do appreciate taking the time, giving our listeners a cool breakdown of the class of 2021. When, when, when's the 2022 rankings coming out? When do we, can we see those? When do we know who's going for 2022? 2022 rankings are actually already out. We Over the last three months, we've released oh, our, really? our first uh, class of 2023 rankings for the sophomore class, uh, an updated 2022 class, and our, our fourth and maybe final update of the 2021 class is coming out today and tomorrow. What about 2024? When's 24? 2024 coming out? Give it some time. I think they need to perform first. Okay. okay. They, I can't. Okay. I think uh, this is where we set the line. Uh, we cannot evaluate middle school performances. We're not doing that. Like, that's the line we're drawing. It's got to be some high school. Okay. It's a good line. It's a good line to draw. I, I, isn't there, but there is a school out there in uh, New York that doesn't draw that line, right? Well, New York State, you know, allows seventh and eighth graders to compete so that i mean minnesota lets you know middle schoolers compete there are a couple states i think uh south dakota might too yeah yeah go watch cartoons eat some candy don't only be training for like high school competition when you're in seventh grade play tony hawk pro skater 45 you know come on anyway well Corey, thanks for taking the time and uh Hopefully, I catch you on the flip side. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thanks. Oh, yeah. And uh, reader, listeners, uh, email the pod. If you have any other questions for Corey, email the pod, flowcheck at, flowcheckpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll text Corey your questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya. And stop. <laughs>